0: Thanks for tuning in on this wet Thursday, and we will keep you posted on the latest developments both on the freeways and uh, they're getting set for a big press conference, news conference in uh, Maine on the mass shooting last night. Um, I had this interview scheduled before any of those stories broke, but um, I think it's an important one to have. We're going to talk to you here on the Tri County Con- Tron- Tr- I can't say it this morning. Tri County Contracting Hotline, John Diedrich from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel who joins us. Good morning, John. Good morning, Steve. So the series that's launching today, being released today on all your platforms, is called Behind the Gun. And I I was reading the first line of the story, and I think that's a great way to start the conversation. When you think about gun deaths in Wisconsin, what comes to mind? How did you answer that question?
1: Well, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, Yeah, so as, as I got into this reporting, I think one of the questions that we got into was, you know what? What is that image that comes to mind? I think generally, what comes to mind um, is is homicides. Um, and uh, you're talking about uh, uh, the one in Maine today. Uh, here in Wisconsin, we're certainly familiar with that sort of event, and and as well um, the things that happen in Milwaukee on a really distressingly often basis. Um, we also think about accidental shootings or negligent shootings, um, and and police-involved shootings. Um, those are those are three categories that, that uh, might come to mind. Um, in our research, we found when you looked at gun deaths that those three do not uh, tell the whole story. Um, they actually don't even come to a, th- a third of all gun shootings, gun deaths in Wisconsin. This is um, the significant one, um, and I was
0: shocked when I saw this. So just tell the folks, this, is, this is, was stunning to me.
1: Yeah, so in Wisconsin, of 100 gun deaths, 71 are suicides. Uh, that's over a 16-year period. That number moves a little bit, but, it's yeah, it's uh, 70, 71 per year. Uh, homicides are 25 out of 100 or 25 percent. And police shootings and accidental shootings are 1 to 2 uh, percent a year.
0: As somebody who talks to the public on a regular basis on the show, off the show, I could almost guarantee that most people weren't weren't aware of that. And we all have heard stories about suicide, especially with, with veterans, young people. Those are very hot topics uh, and trends that are not moving in the right direction. But I think most people in our state, maybe in our country, would not have recognized that fact, that it's suicides, death by gun, suicides by gun, that is driving the, these numbers.
1: Yeah, it's part of it. And to be clear, the homicide numbers have driven the totals. Uh, which are at uh, which are at record uh, uh, numbers right now. The number of gun deaths have doubled, effectively, in Wisconsin when accounted for population growth in the last uh, 20 years. Um, that's right. Uh, suicide. We don't hear about it, and, and I should say right at the beginning is very important in all this reporting that we're helping to uh, point people to resources. So if anybody's hearing this and feeling triggered by this or feeling like they need help, I uh, recommend they call in 988, which is the suicide. Uh, hotline um, that's available uh, across the country.
0: Here great, in great information. Um, but yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so suicide is just, it's, it's not talked about. And we don't, I mean, I've been a reporter, um, you know, for more than 30 years, and it, it's just something we don't write about very often. And for good reason, um, there's ideation, that, that term that you know, sort of give people ideas and, and or raise the issue in a way that would be just inappropriate and um and it is it's also really important to point out uh, that we grappled with this that i'm not suggesting that the circumstances behind a homicide a suicide an accidental a police involved shooting are the same they're all they're all really different um even in the categories um and uh it, it's just a big big part of the picture that isn't uh, widely known and, and again part of it is because in the media we you know we Right. And and I understand why reasons for uh, different uh, uh, amplification of of news. Um, But what's interesting is I think there is. And I did this project through the O'Brien Fellowship at Marquette University and Journal Sentinel. Um, This what this uh, we're really seeing, though, is some new discussions that are happening And this project. I really spent most of my time talking to gun owners. Um, and I think we're seeing some, um, at least new to me, and I think it is, according to other people, some new dialogue that's coming, uh, talking about um, what things might, might be done you know, in this to start becoming more transparent about this truth.
0: I want to get to uh, those personal stories in a second, but one of the things that also struck me was that there may be, and, and this is me saying this, there may be a perception that this is an urban problem. But, in fact, it's not. What did your research find?
1: Well, that's a really good point. Thanks for that. Um, so we did a, a data collection effort. Um, Alex Rivera, Grant, and Ben Schultz, my Marquette students, and I reached out to every county in the state and got data. Um, from all but one and, and, uh, and so we have a map online that our developer Andrew Hahn created. Uh, it, it's, it, it's really remarkable. But what you can see when you go there is that when you add suicides and you adjust for population, Milwaukee is not number one. It's actually number seven in the state and nine of the top ten, the other nine of the top ten, uh, Counties uh, for for gun deaths are all rural counties um, across, you know, uh, uh, lightly more lightly populated uh, rural counties, uh, predominantly across uh, the northern part of the state. So the map changes uh, quite dramatically uh, when suicides are added in and, and population is adjusted.
0: John Dietrich joining us from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, his series Behind the Gun launched today. Um, so let's talk about those personal stories you mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago that you, you talked to gun owners and the stories they tell are interesting because this may be that, this is me talking, a cultural shift on this, this question, this issue that maybe we, we didn't have before. So tell us some of those stories.
1: Yeah, so I, I appreciate that. Um, so uh, we set out to this. I mean, at the beginning of this project, it, the the project was pitched to me by our former editor George Stanley, a gun owner himself, and he said, "I think you'd get a different story when you kind of get away from social media and, and you know, and just talk to people." Here in Wisconsin, and so I, I did that. And so we have a series of features that are, are featured, you know, separate from the data. Um, and uh, in those, uh, we we talked to a mother uh, whose uh, son uh, died by uh, gun suicide. We talked to a former uh, retired soldier who now uh, helps counsel uh, soldiers. We talked to a gun shop owner who came very close to ending uh, his his own life. Um, I spoke to the coroner of Manitowoc County, who's a strong Second Amendment supporter, and also a a strong Democrat, and then I also spoke to an industry insider, a former firearms insider who's launched a nonprofit in the mental health space. Each one of those people is a gun owner, and um, so rather than trying to, like, sort of chisel their stories or, or what we'd say maybe flatten their stories out, we just sort of, like, let them breathe. And and what, what came, I think, is a really interesting, I think, a really interesting um, reflection of people's reality that isn't so sort of sound bitey, um, it, it may be surprising to people, some of the views, um, you know, s- some people felt like there should be some n- new restrictions in the gun space. Others felt like it should be a voluntary space, uh, that this should be a voluntary thing that sh- uh, gun owners should be invited into. Um, and what's interesting in, in of all those people that I told you from the mother to the gun store owner and so forth, they're all gun owners um, themselves now. And, um and again, and they view them differently. I mean, the thing that really struck me <clears throat> at the beginning of this is I sort of use some of these phrases that we hear a lot. One of them is "gun community," and you know, I've really come to believe through this more than a year of reporting that there really isn't a gun community. Um, that's a misnomer. It, there's a lot of people who own guns, as you said, 430 estimated mm-hmm. million guns in this country, 100, 100 million gun owners, and 45 percent of the homes. Um, but a lot of different people. I mean, I've spoken to people across the spectrum and have very different views, different life experiences. And um, there are some commonalities that have come through, uh, but it was really interesting to talk to people from across the state about their views in this issue.
0: Hey, John, can you hang on the line? I want to take a break. When I come back, I want to ask you about a specific individual. But then the other piece that I was sort of referencing in the earlier conversation before you joined is on the mental health side of this and a shortage in the people that provide those services. John Diedrich, our guest, from the Journal Sentinel, his series Behind the Gun, released today. And we will continue that conversation after this on WTMJ Now. We are continuing our conversation with John Diedrich from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, his series Behind the Gun at least today, and and I, I was reading through it during the break, John, and, and one of the things that struck me was the, the uh, quote, guns are part of everybody's lives up here, and that's from one of the individuals you interviewed. And it has to do, I think more importantly, and this is something I talked about in relation to mass shootings in this country, the sort of that gap between complaining about mental health and how that impacts some of this stuff, and then the actual funding of, of programs, funding of psychiatrists, or facilities and you mentioned that in your piece
1: yeah that's it, a really good point so yeah you're quoting debbie trader there she's been working in the um the suicide prevention space in marathon county wasaw for decades and uh and also lived with guns her whole life um and uh they they have firearms now in their home her husband hunts and so forth um so th- that's a huge lack of mental health resources and um, you know, we, we, you talked in your earlier segment about um, when we, you know, information still coming into to, it's very early with what's happened in Maine and, and some about the, you know, the case there. But, uh, you know, one thread that I saw was the rural areas, the lack of mental health services. Um, uh, being able to get into a psychiatrist or a psychologist—that's um, a big part of this. There also is a reluctance um, I found among gun owners. Some, not not all. And again, there's not this like community that everyone's thinking exactly the same. But there is a reluctance by some gun owners, I found, to go see a therapist. And, and so even getting into that space that a therapist be available, that's number one. And then the readiness or the willingness to go there and, and have therapists who are sort of, you know, aware of kinds of some things that might come up from gun owners. That's a new conversation that's happening right now. And all those are really important as I talk to experts like Sarah Kolbeck from the Medical College of Wisconsin and uh, so forth about for the most part, um in our country, mental health is voluntary and it should be upstream so people getting help proactively. Um there are those cases where things get so um serious um that the law gets involved. And you know, and there and we know about some of these cases. But it's really important that the majority of time and and it's not the majority of people who have mental health either. I, I think it's really important too not to stigmatize everybody who has mental health as being potentially, you know, um, at, at, at risk of doing this. Because that is true that that's a, a component in there. But there are a lot of people who are seeking and getting help upstream. But that's exactly what you're talking about, Steve, is getting upstream, the resources being there, and also the willingness for people to seek it.
0: It's also going to require, this is just my opinion, uh, elected officials to be a little bit braver when they talk about mental health in this kind of broad brush that you actually are funding these programs, these psychiatrists, these facilities. Cool. Because if you don't do that, you're really just, you know, blowing smoke. And wh- what I love about this series from what I've read of it is it is exploring a very difficult issue and giving us information we never had before. The, the impact of suicides, gun suicides, the reaction of this community that sort of has always had this you know we're all together well you're you're exactly right and your reporting shows this this is a very diverse group of gun owners and i've talked to gun owners uh john who have very different opinions than you might hear from the nra or some of the groups that are very vocal about these issues that is that is the sort of moving piece or to use a shooting analogy moving target for the future on this conversation
1: well and I appreciate you saying that. There um I mean there had been an edict within like it, in the gun industry that there wouldn't this is according to people have told me this that say 10 years ago there would be like uh, an unwillingness to admit that anything bad happened with a with a firearm. And you know and, and again this series we really try to go to some pains not to fall back into some um some language that could be perceived as shaming or sort of finger wagging. That's not what our, our goal here is to, but explore people's stories. But, but this was something that people would not admit that a, a guy was telling me who'd go to gun shows. He's like, I would be at my booth. And then suddenly somebody wasn't there anymore. And nobody would say why. And he had died by suicide. Mm. He had been on a gun show. In fact, that guy, Mike Sedini, he was an importer, a gun importer. And he decided to sell his company. Uh, he imported a million guns into this country. He decided to sell his company to found a nonprofit that, with a stated goal of bridging the gap between gun owners uh, and the mental health community. What I was talking about, to try to get that discussion, to come out and be more ap- apparent about it. And you see people like him, Rob Pincus, uh, who we see out. He's from Colorado, and we see him, Rob a lot on, on, on talk shows and stuff like that. He's come out and said, this Walk the Talk America, this group – Hey, we need to get more uh out, out there about this and talking about it because it's important. It's clear that there's disagreement among some of what to do. But I think one of the things is that, and you hit it, is that it is complex. Jean Papalia, who's a retired cop in Madison, she she says it in the article. She's like, it's really simple to fall into a you know, into a um simple uh, solution, you know, but she said that it's more complex. She said, isn't there a temptation to find one easy fix? That's why legislators will say if we just had to insert the word waiting period, universal background check and so forth, which is more complex than one size fits all. And so I think that that what we're trying to do is invite people into the idea that there's multiple things going on and the approach will be as complex as the different aspects of this, That's not to say that, that you throw up your hands and say, okay, well, then nothing can happen. It's just inviting people into the complexity of it.
0: Uh, John, uh, uh, brilliant reporting from what I've read and, and uh, what I've taken away. This is something that, that needed to be written, so thanks for that. John Diedrich, investigative reporter uh, for the Journal Sentinel. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk again, but thanks for the great work on this piece.
1: Thanks, Dave. So much. Appreciate it.
0: Absolutely.